growing is kind of like a you know, recipe and there's ingredients that go into that recipe that make it a higher likelihood of, of fast growth. Three, three things come to mind. First is um, market conditions are a massive accelerant. Welcome to the SMB Tech Innovators podcast powered by Gusto. On this show, we explore the intersection of fintech, vertical SaaS, and how software combats the rising complexity of running a business. Our goal is to share stories, advice, and best practices from the leaders and investors behind today's cutting-edge platforms. Here's your host, Brian Bush. On this episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast, my guest is Deep Banerjee, the Chief Product Officer of Deputy, the software for hourly workplaces, solving all things people, from scheduling, time tracking, team communications, and managing work, particularly in retail, hospitality, and the healthcare industries. Deep, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this one. So Deep, you, to start with some background, you've worked with several startups that have scaled successfully. So would you please give the audience a little bit of your background uh, and how you came to your current role with Deputy? Sure. Look, um, my background is I've always been a builder at heart. Uh, love building things, tinkering with technology. Uh, I started as an engineer early in my career and I quickly moved to product. Um, but I guess the overall thread has been throughout my career, sought places where I can solve new problems for customers, things that are unmet needs and that people are highly dissatisfied by. And I've done that across a few different industries and countries, but the thing that's brought me back is just solving new problems for customers. I started my career in the health category. There's these, you know, huge challenges people face with things like managing diabetes. Uh, or even if you're pregnant for the first time, going through that health experience or other categories like long-term goals you might have around weight loss. I started as an engineer building products and really the first mobile app to solve problems in that space. But then I quickly realized that I liked working closer to the customer, closer to the what we should be building and quickly moved to product. And I just like being yeah, closer to customers and understanding what their desires and needs were and being creative about solving problems. After that, I had another, you know, I was at that company for eight years. I had another five-year journey at a company called CBS Sports, second biggest media company in the U.S. Uh, at the time. And sports was traditionally quite written format. And at the time, Apple TV, smart TVs were taking off. And I was part of the transition of driving to streaming. We streamed the Super Bowl, which was the biggest streamed event of all time at the time. And helped them build kind of a digital business on TV, primarily as a new TV channel. And now I'm at a company called Deputy. We're the one of the leading workforce management software. So we help businesses with hourly workers manage all things people. And I joined the company. I knew the founder for a little while, but it's such a critical part of people's work. Over 60% of the world's workforce works in hourly work. And we were reinventing how work works. Um, and so it's an incredible opportunity to help create the future. Well, I love that. Reinventing how work works. Well, and let's go a little bit deeper there because you now have both the responsibility and the accountability to, you know, for that ambitious mission, but time and attendance, let's be honest, it's a crowded space. There are a lot of tools there. So what makes deputy different? What's unique? Yeah. Let's say in the hourly workplace, uh, tracking time is kind of the core principle of getting paid for, for staff. So it's kind of a must-have table stakes um, to do. But over and beyond that feature, uh, in the context of shift work, that product that you use to clock in and clock out 
becomes a daily use product. And actually, because it's a daily use product, it often becomes a work tool. So while Tyler Attendance is the entry point in there, that daily use tool is also how you communicate with your staff, how you know what you know tasks you have to do that day. And if you have the kind of connection to what happens in knowledge work, we have so many tools at our disposal. We use Slack for team, you know, our team's communication or teams. We use Zoom for you know video conferencing collaboration. Jira or Asana for our to-do lists. In hourly workplaces, they don't have the luxury of all those tools. Deputy is that tool. So while time tracking is kind of the first step into that offering, it's all the services around that that make this a daily use work tool that hourly workplaces rely on. So that's really a kind of an important part of thinking, you know, how we think about the offering. Other elements that are crucial too are while time and tracking time is kind of another entry point. Mm-hmm. Every region and geography has their own wage compliance laws. In the US, every 52 states has a different overtime scheme. Our business actually has a headquarters in Australia. In Australia, we have some of the tightest labor laws in the world. The UK has different labor laws of how leave should accrue and how overtime kicks in. So taking that time and turning it into pay is uh, really called wage compliance is another critical factor. Uh, And lastly, the employee experience. You know, because this is a work tool, it needs to be easy to use. It needs to be something people feel comfortable with. Uh, and we take a lot of effort into making that a great experience. Well, so let's go a little bit deeper there, deep, um, deeper there, deep. My goodness. Deputy works with some really big names and they use hardware and Nike. But as I understand it, a lot of, you know, call them typical small, medium businesses as well, a handful of employees. So this could be a bit of an oversimplification, but for the most part, SaaS companies are either building for, quote, enterprise, or they're building for more of that small and medium business or even a consumer sort of customer. Now, you're on the record saying it doesn't have to be an either or, that it can be a both and. So talk us through, particularly with Deputy, how you think about that particular division. Sure. So a thousand percent. I really do not believe it's an either or. It is possible to serve customers of different sizes. It's really not binary between, hey, I only need to focus on SMB and small customers or you know, mid-market enterprise customers. Look, I think the undisputed feature that no matter what kind of buyer or customer size you are, is user experience. User experience trumps everything. And so for SMBs, like, look, you have to be user experience driven because folks are time limited and may not have time to talk to a salesperson and are on the go. And so the experience very much needs to be easy to use and self-service. But that's not opposed to what a mid-market buyer needs. In a mid-market, yes, there are going to be more buyers involved. There'll probably be you know, four or five different departments making a decision. A salesperson might need to help you know, navigate that situation. But we're in the end user era. Uh, you know, all of us have bought software for companies before. In our criteria of buying software, user experience is always one of the elements on that list. And in many cases, you've got to invite your team in who are not looking at things through the same lens you are, but also looking at things through the lens of, can I use this and adopt this? And so the experience part is and self-service part is just, is paramount in, in both sides of businesses. By the way, also SMBs, you know, the best SMBs also grow into mid-market customers. Mm-hmm. So it's also an important natural tendency that as you grow an SMB, some of those customers are naturally going to take you up market 
and they are almost your first first customers that take you there. The other piece I'd add is being a player in mid-market enterprise makes you much more compelling to a small medium business in that you're able to offer some unfair advantages to them. You know, the tools that their big bad competitors use, now they have access to. And that's a strong, you know, that's the power of software that you can bring the powerful features functionality mm. that, you know, their biggest competitors might unfairly have. Now they have access to them. Look, there is product challenges, like going mid-market enterprise, the stakes get higher, the complexity gets higher. But a big challenge is a product design and product management and how you're, you know, position the product to be simple to use, but under the hood, advanced settings, there's complexity there if you need it, whether it's permissions, workflows, performance and scale, access levels, reporting, like there's, there's lots of things where the stakes get higher, but uh, these are, a lot of these are product and design challenges, but yeah. Can I interrupt and can we go just a little deeper there? You mentioned at the start, like, hey, time and attendance is sort of the entry point. Do you think for for some of your smaller, you know, kind of the the customers of yours who fit more in that SMB category, are they seeing, do you think they're sold on, hey, deputy offers as good as what Nike use? You know, they're, they're already kind of sold on that broader feature array. And it's just a question of when they'll sort of unlock it. Or do you think of it more perhaps in terms of nope, like somebody's looking for a great time and attendance tool. And once they get in there, once they're using it daily, they will then sort of discover something else that's really useful. And there's sort of, you know, you've thought about that user journey that gets folks to sort of naturally grow into some of the other functionality in the platform. Yeah, I've got two thoughts. One is naturally small businesses or uh, or, or, or even someone that's you know, juggling many things is likely choosing a feature or they have some pain at that moment in time that they need solved. So naturally there's an inclination there and that, you know, in that moment in time, you're buying a feature. Whereas enterprises and large organizations buy more of the transformation and the from to and the change. So it's not a binary decision either way, but it can tend to tend to align that way. So that's one aspect. So yes, in the as a, in a smaller business, you often trying to take away some pain of something specific and, and likely a feature. And that's likely where, you know, the time and attendance can come into play um, as an as a entry point. However, the other aspect is hourly workplaces, the managers in them switch jobs fairly regularly. And so there's certainly an element of take your tools with you. You know, you, you leave your company and you really like using your issue tracker or your team communication tool. You're going to probably take that with you to the next company um, that you go to. And um, the managers of these businesses, we often find that someone leaves a big box retailer and goes to a small boutique one, they bring the product that they like with them. And so mid-market enterprise also has that benefit of you're effectively creating a whole, uh, you know, if your product is good, you're creating a whole group of fans and people that can take deputy with you to maybe a small business in the future. So I think it's twofold um, on that regard. Well, I appreciate that, Deep. And I'm sorry I interrupted. You were just talking a little bit, I think, about kind of building for scale. Yes. So uh, I guess a couple of things. We were talking about SMB in market and why it's not either or. As a product builder, you know, the 
you want to drive value and scale it. Like you want to work on things that are going to go one to 1000, not just one to 100. And that's kind of the fun and excitement of solving for, you know, the, the two sizes. And it's something that has been like a path that's been proven by quite a few players, whether it's Zoom, like you can use Zoom with you and a friend or you and your family, or you can use it with an enterprise. Slack is quite complex in how it can offer a lot of enterprise features. If you go into the settings section of Slack, you'll see is kind of feed, uh, configuration and configuration. HubSpot's another great example. You know, it scales from SMB to mid-market. Shopify is another one. So there's, there's many different businesses that have done a really great job balancing amazing user experience, pick it up and use it with configuration and complexity um, that large businesses need. And ultimately, I think it can create like really generational software companies because they get multiple engines. They get, you know, there's an engine that kind of drives in the self-service side. Uh, and then there's an engine that works um, by going to market for larger customers. Well, and in this case, I don't know to what extent you touched on it before, but, you know, mobile is a particularly important, I would say, kind of interface for you all, just given who you're talking about, like the workers themselves, correct? Yes, yeah, so uh, all our um, usage by workers is 99% mobile. Like we invest, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty supply, surprisingly for a B2B app that 90% of, 99% of its usage is all in a native mobile app. Um, that's really important because our early workers are not in front of a computer all day. Their managers are probably, you know, using a computer much more. Uh, that percentage would be much higher, uh, you know, over 70, 80%. And so that mobile app's got to be pretty rich. It's got to be able to manage your leave and your schedule and your time tracking and your team communication. And it's just about being the customer where they are. Well, I appreciate that, Deep. So let's turn a little bit. If that sort of, you know, you had several pillars of kind of what makes Deputy unique. One was that UX and the focus on, on the employees and mobile. Two was that entry point. And three was around sort of a global perspective. So let's dive a little bit deeper and there, with the global perspective, you already mentioned how unique the labor laws can be. You mentioned the benefit actually being headquartered in Australia, given the relatively progressive labor laws that are set there. So how do you think, I can see how that keeps deputy a little bit, say, ahead of the curve, perhaps, um, as globally some of this environment evolves. But how do you, as the chief product officer, think about building for and obviously selling country-specific needs like U.S. payroll within a global platform. Yeah, I think this is, a lot of this is the art and science of product management and, and engineering uh, and product design and really around knowing your domains and industries really well. Like what, what is the landscape in the UK or the EU or US, 52 states or Canada and, and, and Australia? So one, knowledge and awareness. And then two, kind of the creativity and thinking around the corner of, how might we solve, you know, what are the common things around all those uh, geos, what's different and doing a really, this is where like the design of your architecture and the upfront flexibility of how you build things can pay dividends down the track uh, because there's a lot of one-way decisions you might make technically at this time. And you have to have a long-term view of building this in that we will be a global company and we will be in these regions as opposed to Let's solve just for Australia and get going in Australia today. And so it's, yeah, function of industry geographic knowledge and also long-term thinking and long-term investments 
to unlock actually being able to operate globally. And in some cases, for some services, you know, if it's, it's if it's very tightly coupled with what's in hourly work, definitely we'll build it. In other cases, also we're open minded around. Is there a partner locally that has gone much deeper? Is there a partner locally that has deep tax knowledge or potentially infrastructure knowledge or billing knowledge? And so in those cases, we'll also look to partner where that happens. And so that's kind of a twofold approach to how we approach it. Well, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned the importance of sort of the flexibility of the architecture. Maybe I'm trying to form a question well around this, but it really goes to the heart of at what scale do you feel or at what stage of your your product development do you feel like, well, now we can think longer term, now we can build in flexibility from the beginning rather than like, hey, let's just solve the pain as fast as possible, even if it accrues a little bit more tech debt? Really good question. Uh, I like to challenge teams to think about something called optionality, which is we don't necessarily need to build for all those other regions now, but we need the option to be able to do it in future. And optionality is being aware of what those future options are. Optionality is designing in mind. And so I've always found with most software choices, there's an approach where you can design with optionality in mind without actually having to take those options down, but having the foresight that those options might happen. And so you can execute for the today and the region that you're in today but design upfront that this will be a multi-country, multi-region offering. And that is a really important leadership and early decision-making principle I would put in a place. And I've given this advice to a lot of other folks is some of these principles actually become quite important because they don't necessarily add a lot of additional effort and investment or work, but is rather an approach to solving the problem. And might be a bit more approach uh, investment in the beginning with some architecture you need, but not overly burdensome. And so try to keep your optionality open for as long as possible and avoid those one-way decisions that if we do this, we're going to require a rewrite. Or if we do this, then we close those other doors. Rather, design it with if we do this and we want to do something else, we can build that on top. That's really, it's a really good design. And that's where the art and science of product management and engineering comes into place uh, of how you, how you design those solutions. Yep. You know, you're, you're reminding me a little bit of Eddie Kim, our, our co-founder and CTO effectively here at Gusto, who talks a lot about those one-way decisions. I think what you're adding on, you know, at least for me, is that notion of kind of decoupling the design from, from the backend architecture. And thinking about the design with more optionality up front, choosing sort of an architecture or a build path that kind of solves the first wave of things. Obviously, you've got to keep in mind some of the trade-offs around the tech debt piece, but that to me, I think is a really, really fascinating piece. So deep, maybe one of the things you said as well when you go into local markets is, well, we might park, partner locally. So shifting or using that, pulling on that thread just a little bit, Deputy has built a handful of other embedded products. Um, before we started recording, you mentioned bank accounts. Deep, before we started recording, you mentioned electronic signatures for employees whose shifts are managed by deputies so they can effectively sign contracts. So tell me a little bit, what do you look for in a developer platform or in an embedded partner where you're not going to build some functionality natively? Sure. Um, so yeah, Deputy does not have to build everything on our own. Uh, the world has evolved and there's many companies waking up every day to make something really meaningful, you know, solve problems and make things uh, experience it really meaningfully better as just their main job to be done. The things that we look at 
in identifying that is one is is a core to deputy or not and so that that is one of the decision points like if it's going to be core we, we take it with a different lens and then if we do decide that uh, something is worth partnering on we'll do a market scan of what else is available out there but i think personally some of the things that i dig deeper into understanding is one is it a very compelling user experience is it going to make a delightful experience create a lot of convenience and, and create a lot of value that way it's a user experience second is does a team have a lot of domain knowledge and experience in that we're basically gaining a partner that has a ton of domain knowledge in a space and that we kind of get by partnership that's very valuable deep domain knowledge third a track record are the reference use cases that are working for customers our customers driving value of it already can we see the value of it and use our product sensibilities to sense check is this a good experience so is there a track record of adoption and use and then lastly, developer experience is important because it's going to be a true partnership. Our team is going to want to adjust, work with, evolve the experience. And so, you know, how easy is it for our engineers to interact with the service? So yeah, user experience, domain knowledge, track record, and, and developer experience are some of the things I would look at when evaluating partners. Well, and I couldn't have summed it up better, but I want to dive a little bit deeper on that first one quickly. You know, when you're looking at a developer platform for any type of embedded service, you're, you know, the team is looking at a bunch of APIs. Do you find you feel like, hey, I have a vision for what I want that delightful experience to look at? And whether it's your team, whether it's the partner, hey, tell me how or what it will take to create that, create that experience. Or do you feel like as you go through the process to deeper into, into the APIs and specifically what a partner offers, you're sort of building up to where you might find something that actually qualifies in your mind as that delightful experience for customers? Yeah, it's a good question. It's tough to often have it all if you're going the partner route, but sometimes you can. But I'd say I, I'd enter these, uh, and teams would enter these with some principles in mind of a vision. A vision of, you know, I guess being firm on the vision, but flexible in the details is how I think about it. So having some principles of, hey, we expect data to flow like X, or hey, we have some principles that, the experience needs to be within our offering, it needs to be mobile and desktop. So we put some principles in place. How that gets manifested in an experience is often partner dependent. Uh, and that's where I think we'd be flexible, uh, unless the experience is so critical that we needed to drive every single element of it, in which case it may change our decision on what kind of partner to use. So I think it just depends on how core it is and non-core. It depends on how much of an investment it is to build and how you know, is the juice worth the squeeze, so to speak, to build to build it or to have some trade-off decisions to lose some control over some of the experience. But I would say regardless of what the solution looks like, having some principles in play of this is how it must work and then being, you know, figuring out which ones are achievable or not through the partner. Well, I love that. Firm on principles, a little bit flexible on the details. And I'm sure that dovetails with some of the domain expertise. How much do you trust this partner to guide you at times? Deep, before we wrap up, I want to come back and close where we started with that pin. You've talked about past companies you've worked with that have scaled. So if we step back from deputy and you're talking to other technology founders, other product leaders, you know, when you look back, what was different about the companies that grew quickly and, and found more success versus those that struggled in your experience? Yeah, I think it, you know, growing is kind of like a you know, recipe. 
And there's ingredients that go into that recipe that make it a higher likelihood of, of fast growth. Three, three things come to mind. First is market conditions are a massive accelerant. If there's a macro wave happening, some tidal wave change in an industry, that is obviously a, an amazing market condition. Like for me, for in the health category, when the launch of mobile happened, it was the first time you could manage your health, health from your phone. Get recipe advice, track your fitness, track your runs, get a digital health coach to help you with diabetes. That was just all completely new tech that was available that created that macro wave. When smart TV started uh, emerging, that was a huge catalyst to sports video and live streaming. Uh, and even in Deputy Today, like we're at record low unemployment levels. People need to be, you know, businesses need to be standout employers. Like that's another macro wave that's happening. So if you can find macro conditions that are happening, um, that will be a huge accelerant. Matched with the large target addressable market helps as well. So market conditions, one. Second is just a massive ambition for a company. And the attitude of a company to be able to be making big bets, finding that balance between invention, innovation over incrementalism. You need both, but the company does need to make some massive step change bets to create that next level of growth. And coupled with that, a major purpose to rally everyone around. So you know, that ambition being driven by both this bet of how we see the world changing matched with the purpose of how good the world is going to be on the other side of that and having a whole team rallied around that. So ambition second. And thirdly, uh, people. But um, on the people side, two things. One, the attributes of those people, deep customer empathy, product sense, a strong drive and motor to make things happen. Uh, but on the other side, more people doesn't make things faster. So a core concentrated group, keeping teams fairly small and driven on that mission and small teams focused on that. So market conditions, ambition, and people, I think are, are the three recipes for me. Well, I appreciate that deep. And, and I feel like I need to double click into the ambition one. Just as we started, you talking about deputy reinventing the nature of work for, for hourly employees and really being that work platform, no longer just time and attendance. That's no small or incremental <laughs> ambition there. So deep, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show today. Before we wrap up, if any listeners want to connect with you offline um, or go deeper on some of these topics, where could they find you? Yep. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Deepesh Banerjee, and on LinkedIn as well. We'll link to it in the, in the show notes. But no, thank you again, Brian. I had a great time. 100%. Fantastic. Well, we appreciate it. And for everyone listening today, thank you for your time. Keep a lookout for the next episode. And as mentioned, any resources that, that came up today, we'll link in the show notes. Thanks again and have a good day. Thank you for listening to the SMB Tech Innovators podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode of the SMB Tech Innovators podcast is brought to you by Gusto Embedded. Gusto has spent a decade building and testing its payroll, tax filing, and compliance infrastructure, which is available as a robust set of APIs so you can develop custom-tailored payroll solutions. For more information, go to embedded.gusto.com.